Well, again, welcome. We're so glad you're here with us. You have your Bibles. We ask you to turn in them to the book of Revelation, chapter 13. And we'll get there in just a minute. The title of my message this morning is, What in the World is Going On? Boy, you know, I think there's a Chinese proverb that says, May you live in interesting times. Boy, is that understating it, huh? You know, there is so much going on in the world around us today, isn't there? I mean, just this week, we have significant gas shortages down in the southeast. We have Israel being barraged by rockets, one right after another. I don't even know how many now have been fired at Israel. And by the way, we stand with Israel. We have significant inflation concerns. You know, what, a dozen eggs cost $43? No, I'm just kidding. But it, it, prices are going up all around us. They've been talking about it all week. And if that's not enough, Tucker Carlson this week talked about video footage that the United States Air Force is releasing concerning UFOs. And we're dealing with all of this on top of everything that's happened over the last, you know, year, and now we've got to deal with E.T. on top of it. I'm telling you, what in the world is going on? Pastor Greg Laurie this week shared a little story before one of his messages. I thought it was really, really timely, and it truly illustrates for us how many are feeling today. It's about a salesman who, on the road, checked into a hotel room very late. And as he started to prepare himself to go to bed... He took off one of his shoes and he dropped it on the floor and it made a huge thud. And he's like, oh boy, I just, you know, probably woke up the whole building, at least the guy underneath me. So in his second shoe, he took it off very slowly, he took it off very carefully, and then he just laid it on the ground. Well, about 10 minutes later, this man comes knocking at his door. The gentleman opens it, the man's got bags under his eyes, and he goes, would you just take off the other shoe? I've been waiting for it to drop the last 10 minutes. And I think that's the way all of us feel. We're just waiting for the other shoe to drop, aren't we? In so many different ways. Today we're going to look at end times. Bible prophecy. The theological study of eschatology. The study of the last days. But before doing so, I require that we adopt three rules for the purpose of studying eschatology. And those three rules are as follows. Number one, we study eschatology to be assured that this is God's Word. That this is God's Word. 2 Peter 1, 19-21 states, And so we have the prophetic word confirmed which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Number one, we study prophecy to be assured that the Bible is God's Word, telling us what's going to happen before it happens to show us that He is God. Second rule. We study prophecy for the sake of 
getting right with God in our own hearts here and now. For 1 John 3, 2-3 writes, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that while uh, that when He is revealed, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who has this hope in Him purifies himself just <clears throat> as He is pure. When we are confronted with the imminent return of Jesus Christ, it should cause us as believers in Jesus Christ to examine our hearts before God <clears throat> to make sure that we are right with the Lord. That's the second rule. And thirdly, that it creates in us an urgency to get the gospel out, to share with everyone who will listen to the gospel of Jesus Christ. As I'm sure you're familiar with this passage in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. <clears throat> and Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning as we dig into the subject of eschatology. Lead us and guide us. Reassure us that this is your word that we read that's been inspired by you and by your spirit. Father, help us to get our hearts right with you. As David prayed, let, if there be any wicked way in us, show us, Lord, that we may repent of it and be right with you. And thirdly, let us be urgently seeking to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with anyone who will listen. So, Father, we thank you, and we ask you bless this time, and we ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's turn our Bibles to Revelation chapter 13. <clears throat> Revelation chapter 13. Find uh, Genesis and go right. And let's read this chapter together. John writing from the island of Patmos. Then I stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising out of the sea, and having seven horn, uh, heads and ten horns, and on his horns ten crowns, and on his head uh, was blasphemous name. Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard, and his feet were like the feet of a bear, and his mouth was like the mouth of a lion. The dragon gave him his power, his throne, and his great authority." And I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded, and his deadly wound was healed, and all of the world marveled and followed the beast. So they worshipped the dragon who gave authority to the beast, and they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast, who is able to make war with him? And he was given a mouth speaking great and blasphemies, and he was given authority to continue for 20, I'm sorry, 42 months. And then he opened his mouth and blasphemed against God to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. And it was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And the authority was given to him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. And all who dwell on the earth will worship him, those whose names have been 
uh, not been written in the book of life, the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. And he who leads into captivity shall go into captivity. He who kills with the sword must be killed with the sword. And he said, and here is the patience and the faith of the saints. And then I saw another beast coming out of heaven, um, earth, excuse me. And he had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. And he exercised all the authority of the first beast in his presence and caused the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast, whose deadly wound was healed. He performed great signs that even makes fire come down from heaven on earth in the sight of men. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth by the signs in which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. He causes all, both great, I'm sorry, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads. And that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark of the, the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him who understands calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. His number is 666. This is a significant point in the end times sequence of events that will take place during the tribulation period, more specifically the last three and a half years, the great tribulation period. The text is telling us that two will arise during this period. The first out of the sea is the one that we know to be the Antichrist. The second one, is the, as we know, is the false prophet that will precede him and prepare the way for him throughout the world. The Antichrist will be wounded at this time and appear to be mortally dead. For Zechariah tells us that the woeful shepherd will lose his right eye and his right hand due to this mortal wounding. And after three days, he'll rise again. Sound familiar? And the world will marvel, saying, look, he must be more than just a man. It's at this time that the dragon enters him, Satan himself, to give him power and authority over the world during this time. He will make war against those who are here who try to follow Christ during that time. And he will prevail, causing them to either A, receive a mark that marks their allegiance to him, or they'll be martyred for their faith. Those who do receive this mark, this identification that, that signifies allegiance to the Antichrist, for them, there is no salvation to be had in Jesus Christ, and they shall die in their sin. Scary thought. This event, the mark of the beast, is talked about heavily on the internet today, on YouTube today. And there are a lot of people who believe that the COVID vaccine, the COVID-19 vaccine, is this mark. That is not accurate. 
The vaccine is not the mark of the beast. This mark will be ushered in by the false prophet who has not arisen yet. It will be given uh, the authority by the Antichrist who has not risen to power yet. Let us understand that Jesus Christ spoke of this moment when warning the disciples of the return of Jesus Christ, I'm sorry, His personal return, He said, mark out this moment, and He says in verse 15 of Matthew 24, therefore when you see the abomination of desolation spoken by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. The events of Revelation 13 are the events of the abomination of desolation. When Paul the Apostle had opportunity to explain what this moment was, he explained in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1-4. through 4, And he wrote concerning the rise of the Antichrist. And he warned them. Now brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to Him. I believe that is referring to the rapture of the church. We ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if it was from us, as though the day of Christ had come. They were given a fraudulent letter, apparently, that stated that the persecutions in which the Thessalonican church was experiencing at that time was an indication that they were in the great day of the Lord. Paul immediately writes to them and says, no, that's not the case. And reminds them of events that have to occur prior to the return of Jesus Christ. And those events are then listed throughout the remaining portion of this chapter. But let's specifically look at what he says when he begins in verse 3. Let no one deceive you by any means. For that day will not come unless first the falling away, that is the apostasy, and the man of sin, this is the Antichrist, is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or all that is worship, so too, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. This event is fulfilled in Revelation 13. This is the image that the false prophet rises to allow individuals to worship the Antichrist. Their allegiance shown by this mark. And the word mark in the Greek means a branding or a scar. It can mean uh, some kind of uh, signification. It was very common that when the Romans would go through the various nations that those they conquered in battle would then be branded, showing them to be slaves of the Roman Empire. I believe it is John's point to have this in mind when he writes this, that the event that the Antichrist will bring about, though what it exactly looks like we don't know yet, though we certainly see that we are getting closer and closer to such a reality. It is interesting, and I think it's uh, good that people, again, are asking questions about the second coming of Jesus Christ. 
For a while now, many churches have avoided this subject because they believe that either Revelation is truly unknowable, they feel uh, obligated to teach all the various uh, understandings and interpretations of Revelation, which often causes more confusion than clarity, or they just simply don't want to commit or admit that we may be closer to the return of Jesus Christ than ever before. Whatever reason it is, eschatology seems to be a subject that has lost priority in the current church in America. But I believe that if we look at eschatology with the understanding that it gives us assurance of God's Word, that it creates a passion in us to get right with God and to take the gospel into all the world, then I think it's a vital component of our Christian faith. I also believe that it is interesting that Paul, when he was with the Thessalonican church, he was there for only about six weeks, and yet he did a large teaching on eschatology. He felt that these new Gentile Christians needed to know about the return of Jesus Christ. And I think we can also make a significant argument that most of the apostles wrote as if they believed that Jesus could come back in their day. Now, we don't know the day or the hour that Jesus will return. We don't know that. But I can say this for con- in confidence that we're 2,000 years closer than we've ever been before. But there are events happening in our world that are causing people to question the timing. Greg Laurie also shared something in his message that I thought it was very interesting. That newspapers have a certain typeface that they use when they want to make significant announcements. Greg said that, I know him personally, Greg, no. Pastor Greg said that, uh, you know, when 9-11 occurred, this typeface was used. The bombing of Pearl Harbor occurred, this typeface was used. It's called second coming typeface, even in the newspaper industry today. Because what an announcement it makes. Urgency. Something's happening significantly. And there seems to be a renewed interest in eschatology. But I want to dispel the myths. The COVID vaccine is not the mark of the beast. We're not there yet. Whatever your position is on the vaccine, that's between you, God, and your doctor. Okay? But I just want to assure you that if you've taken the vaccine, you're still saved. Okay? Let's, let's just dispel with that myth. It's all over YouTube, folks. You, you, you can't. There's one right after another. But part of the reason for the concern is that so many things are, ha- are happening in our world, all in concession, that I believe, like the Thessalonians, some believe that, well, maybe we are in these troublesome times. Maybe we are in the tribulation period. Well, Paul says, no, not yet, but it's getting closer. I believe that the church of Jesus Christ needs to be removed in the rapture before the Antichrist can come to the stage. As Paul goes on in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, he tells us very clearly that there is something restraining the arrival of the Antichrist. The arrival of the Antichrist is also depicted in the book of Revelation, chapter 6, verses 1, the rider on the white horse, the, the one who comes in with the scales and the bow and the arrows and so forth. That's the arrival of the Antichrist onto the world scene. But there are so many things happening. 
And the year of COVID-19 that we've all just come through has left many insecure, wondering what's coming next. We've all been told that a new normal is going to be established around us. But what does that look like? What does that mean? Who's architecting this new normal? Who is laying out the blueprint for the world going forward? Because I don't know about you, but the world sure looks a lot different a year later than it did in 2019. And I think all of us are asking questions. Where are we going? Where are our politicians leading us? And who is leading them? Ultimately, we know that there are only two kingdoms on this earth, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of the ruler of this world, Satan. But where are our politicians leading us? Where are we going as a nation? What is it going to look like in five years from now? That's a scary thought. We see things being adopted today and put into law that never would have occurred even just two years ago. Now, is this just all, you know, people just throwing, you know, mud at the wall and seeing what sticks? Or is there a blueprint behind it all? Has COVID-19 created an opportunity for the world to reset? Some believe so. I believe one of the most significant things happening in our world today is happening through an organization called the World Economic Forum. I have never seen in 35 years of studying God's Word a more comprehensive infrastructure being architected, developed, and planned for going forward that I could see the Antichrist capitalizing upon and using for his nefarious purposes. In the 1990s, when I worked in a computer company, I remember sitting in meetings where this idea, this concept was being discussed called cloud computing. Maybe you've heard of it. And I remember listening to senior engineers, and I was, I was part of distribution and operations. I did not have the technical background that they did, and a lot of what they talked about was way over my head. But I remember them saying that this is what cloud computing could do for us. People could share documents across various devices, and, and people could have all their information stored in this cloud, and they could pull it down at any time they wanted, and and, and they just kept developing the idea and how it could impact our society. But in the 90s, there were so many problems that kept them from uh, realizing that conceptual idea. First of all, most people in the 1990s, when accessing the internet, they were doing it through these things called modems. Do you remember? They made that god-awful sound. ding. <laughs> Honey, what was that? Oh, it's just my modem, you know. And then we, we had breakneck speeds at 14.4, you know. Uh, I'm downloading a web page. You know, we can have dinner. I can come back. And so connectivity was so infantile that the cloud computing could never take place. And I remember one engineer saying that none of this can happen before the infrastructure is put into place. And I remembered him saying that. 
And now, of course, the infrastructure has been put into place. I believe that an infrastructure will be in place that the Antichrist will capitalize upon. And the ideas found in the World Economic Forum, specifically through an idea called the Great Reset, are very interesting and concerning all at the same time. The World Economic Forum is, is led by a gentleman named Klaus Schwab. Klaus Schwab, excuse me. And he has been the founder and the executor of the World Economic Forum. And he originally brought this forum together to bring businesses together to find out how businesses could operate in a globalistic society more efficiently. And as time went on, and more and more companies embraced this globalization idea from the 1970s, I believe it started in 71, and also, let me say at this point, I will be sending out an email this week with all of the support documentation that I use for this presentation this morning. So, make, check me out, make sure I'm good. This gentleman, during the COVID crisis, saw an opportunity. As I believe Winston Churchill actually coined the phrase, let no good crisis go to waste. Klaus Schwab saw an opportunity that COVID-19 presented. This was an opportunity to rethink all of the world. And he wrote a book called COVID-19, The Great Reset. COVID-19, The Great Reset. And within this book is the blueprint for the new normal going forward. And we're going to see in a moment that it's been adopted not only by corporations and major banks, but also by politicians, bringing about a reset for our whole entire planet. Oh. He stated in a quote, the pandemic represents a rare but narrow window of opportunity to re reflect, reimagine, and reset our world. Pretty ambitious goal. But what does it mean, Right? As the very wise person once said, and I don't know who to contribute this to, the devil is always in the details, isn't it? And they, looking, they are doing fascinating things. But there are also very concerning things that are going along with this. When the book came out, Time Magazine immediately wrote an article about it, and they showed a scaffolding of the whole world being put back together to indicate that the Great Reset was again an opportunity for the whole world to reimagine itself, to rethink itself. Part of the Great Reset has to do with a concept called the Fourth Industrial Revolution. The Fourth Industrial Revolution is the fourth stage in the industrial revolutions of our history. The first revolution was the induction of steam into businesses in 1760 to 1820. The second was when electricity was introduced in 1820 to the 1900s. In the 1990s, the third industrial revolution took place with the introduction of the computer. Even though the computer was invented, the PC was invented earlier, the uh, drawbacks of lack of connectivity uh, didn't really allow it to blossom until the 1990s. But today, the fourth industrial revolution has to do with intelligence. And the goal is this, 
to merge biological and artificial intelligence together. To merge biology and artificial intelligence together. It's a fascinating concept. And there are some great practical reasons to look and to engineer in this direction. But this is where things are going. We're going to talk a minute about AI because AI is actively working in our society today, even unbeknownst to us. If we believe that AI is in its infancy right now, we are kidding ourselves. And we'll talk about that in a moment. But the Great Reset uh, released a commercial that's been showed all over the world, but not readily here in the United States. It's been shown, I know for a fact, in Japan, in Australia, Great Britain, and other places, outlining the eight steps that they want to introduce in the Great Reset. So let's take a quick look. You'll have to read because there is no narrative, but let's take a look at it. very interesting to say the least now i hope you guys saw some of what was in there i personally think that some of the concern for me of course the united states will no longer be the world's superpower but a collection of nations will be uh, we also saw within it they were talking uh, specifically about climate change uh, they were talking about uh, not owning anything and being happy You'll have to rent everything, and it'll be delivered to you by drones. These are just some of the ideas. Personally, I think that they lost the Americans when they said there's going to be no more meat. Uh, I don't think that's going to fly in Texas, do you? you know? But they have an ambitious goal to reset this world with you know, meta ideas such as climate change, such as uh, superpower dominance, to currency. They're looking to reshape it all. The economy created, they believe, should be uh, keeping nature and the personal individual 
in a form of what they call equity. I think we've heard that word being used quite a bit in our culture today. And moving us in this direction to reset. Now, let's be honest. People can have all of these ideas, but unless the ideas are implemented, they aren't really going to shape our world. But let us understand that the one thing philosophy has shown us is that ideas shape the world around us. What people think is the basis upon what people do. And so this blueprint, this architectural plan that they have in mind is the blueprint that many are adopting. Worldwide adoption is taking place of this idea, the Great Reset. And on their website, they have a list of partners under the section of the Great Reset. Let me read for you some of the partners just from America that might interest you. When it comes to technology, we have IBM, Apple, Microsoft, HP, Dell, Facebook, Google, and of course, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. The major banks of America are all into this. J.P. Morgan Chase, Bank of America, Goldman Sachs, MasterCard, and Morgan Stanley. When it comes to communication, Verizon is 100% on board. Energy companies such as BP and Chevron Again, all make up part of the strategic partners, meaning they are helping with the planning of the Great Reset. Oh, and let me give you these last four. The last four are Johnson & Johnson, AstraZeneca, Pfizer, and Moderna. Now, take it as you will. This is listed on the strategic partnering page of the Great Reset. Okay? Now, it's one thing for corporate partners to get involved, but what about governments? What about governments? Well, one of the greatest advocates for the Great Reset is Prince Charles himself, who will succeed his mother, Queen Elizabeth, in England. Prince Charles gave a speech to the British people concerning the Great Reset. And from that speech, you can find that on the Royal Family uh, YouTube page. The Royal Family has a YouTube page. That's And they have like 800,000 um, subscribers. But from that speech, they created this commercial to be viewed in Great Britain. Check it out. We have an incredible opportunity to create entirely new sustainable industries, investing in nature as the true engine of our economy. The current global crisis has disrupted every aspect of our lives, but it has also presented us with an extraordinary opportunity, a chance to reset and accelerate efforts to improve the state of our world. Changing our current trajectory will require bold and imaginative action, together with determination and decisive leadership. In order to secure our future and to prosper, we need to evolve our economic model, putting people and planet at the heart of global value creation. If there is one 
critical lesson we have to learn from this crisis. We need to put nature at the heart of how we operate. We are on the verge of catalytic breakthroughs that will alter our view of what is possible and profitable within the framework of a sustainable future. We need nothing short of a paradigm shift, one that inspires action at revolutionary levels and pace. We simply cannot waste any more time. The only limit is our willingness to act. And the time to act is now. Okay, well, you might find that very interesting. And of course, like any commercial, they promise something, right? This is going to be beneficial to all of us. This is going to make everybody's life better and happy and more convenient and healthier and safer and so forth. Well, when this commercial broadcasted, broadcast in uh, Great Britain, the young people of the society saw the ramifications of what was actually being said. And a young film student made a rebuttal to this. And I think it is interesting that the youth are wising up and saying, hey, wait a minute now. You promised us all this stuff, but what is really, really going to happen? So this young filmmaker created this film, this short little tiny five-minute film, and I want to show it to you. Because if there's any doubt that we may be misinterpreting what they are saying to us, let us understand how the people who heard the commercial and the discussion within Great Britain came about to provoke this young man to make this video. Okay? Let's check it out. The Great Reset had to happen, and the human mind couldn't interfere with their plans. The human mind had to be suppressed. People were thinking for themselves. They didn't need bombs or chemicals. They understood that the most powerful weapon was fear. It ate at the human condition, like caged rats around our heads. Our thoughts just rotted, decayed, until the old world had just become a part of our imaginations. By dismantling the core of society, they divided us, making people fight one another. It allowed this to become a psychological war amongst the people. The virus collapsed the economy, allowing the new world credit system to be introduced. National governments formed to become a one world government and religion became illegal. No one could pay their mortgages. Property became government owned. You stayed in line or you were hunted down like a witch. Police were given 100% power, and the city's empty offices became the workstations for the fascist state. The collection of data and monitoring human behavior became the stable economy. No one could understand why and how this happened. But that was part of the plan. Keeping people disorientated, kept them asleep, and holding on to the system. The lockdowns had mentally worn people down, broken their minds and true understanding of reality. They needed the virus only to accelerate the changes that they were already making. It was the perfect smokescreen to bring about their new world order, which they had been working on for decades. Human evolution needed to be reversed. They had used and abused us enough to construct the artificial reality they desired. 
there was no use for us anymore. Unless we merged with their machine and followed their path to destruction, we were useless. The number one objective of the reset was depopulation. Humans were over-exceeding resources. Carbon emissions had to stop to allow certain technologies to be introduced. But it was also a resetting of the mind, individually and collectively. They pulled us through everlasting satanic rituals to give us human trauma, allowing them to steer evolution as they wished. Mental illness had become like the common cold, and by this point, the virus had been forgotten. We were told there was a return to normal, but we were put deeper under their spell. No resistance gave the permission to oppress and do as they liked, but it was only the people's blindness that led them into their trap but people still could not face the truth. And by not facing the truth, they created a shadow. And when that shadow filled the light, the darkness became so dense, people were blind. We became frozen and led like lambs to the slaughter. We are spiritual beings experiencing a physical reality, but we trapped ourselves in someone else's dream. The dream seems real, but we do have the ability to change it at any time. Dictatorships only exist with followers. You don't have to go with the obedient herd. There is another choice. Are you scared to be an individual? Or are you happy being the submissive slave? They certainly had a different understanding of the benefits of the Great Reset. I think it is interesting that that young man put forward what he did. Now, I know very little about him himself, but I know that this particular uh, video has been seen by many, many, many people. But what about closer to home? During the campaign, President Joe Biden used the term Build Back Better, which is found all over the Great Reset literature. This idea that is formed that the UN has been putting forward and also the Great Reset was the basis of much of the decision-making that President Biden is making today. We see his emphasis on climate change, his differing opinion on money theory, racial equity rather than racial equality. There's a significant difference in what they're saying between those two words. But in an article, if there was any doubt of President Biden's commitment to the Great Reset, may I offer this to you. It was an article that was written by The Hill just after his election. John Kerry reveals Biden's devotion to the radical Great Reset movement, unquote. This was, this was written by The Hill on... December 3rd, 2020, it was after Biden's election to office. This is where our nation is heading. This is the blueprint that they have adopted for the policy making here in the United States of America. And we must be aware of it. They want you to think like everyone else thinks, but Christianity does not allow us to do that. God has given you a mind that he desires you to worship him with, with all of your mind, all of your heart, all of your soul to love him in that way. We cannot conform to this. 
We cannot be neutral. Our neutrality in this cause allows it to progress even faster. We must stand up because if we are not bearers of the truth, who is? Who is? We must do it as God would have us to do it. We must talk and be vocal when we have the opportunity to do so. We must understand this great reset. And I'm telling you, it is one of the most complex, comprehensive ideas that I have ever seen in my life. We have just scratched the surface of all the ideas that they put forward. And of course, you can see, I believe, in a very short period of time, how this could be exploited by one with the nefarious purposes of Satan himself, the Antichrist, to bring about his desired results. The Great Reset is something that we need to continuously watch for, listen for. When we hear Great Reset, when we hear Fourth Industrial Revolution, when we hear these words, let us just take an ear to listen a little bit more intently. Now, looking forward, there are three things that I want to just quickly bring out for you this morning, just quickly in closing. Number one, the Great Reset is certainly moving us towards a digital currency. It is imperative for the new economy that no one government is in control of the economy, such as the dollar, which is the reserve currency of the world today, is. They want a global currency. This would eliminate all exchange rates and so forth. They've been pushing for this for years. And of course, now we see that it is time for a new digital currency. The money that you have in your pocket is called fiat money. Fiat money, fiat currency. It's a government-backed currency, but yet it is not on any type of standard, such as gold or silver. And therefore, the only reason that money holds value is completely in conjunction with the trust that the person has in the government that is holding that fiat currency. And remember what they said. They want to eliminate and move away from the United States becoming the world power. How do I know that? Well, it said it in their commercial, but maybe this is a... America's dominance is over. This is right off their website. By 2030, we will have a handful of global powers. If that doesn't sound like Daniel chapter 7 or Revelation 17.10, I don't know what does. Even if this isn't exactly what Revelation depicts for us, the idea is already there. And it'll, this will set the precedent for further movement in that direction. Now, I won't even... Well, I will scare you a little bit further. It's imperative that you know what will happen to the American economy if the dollar no longer is the world reserve currency. We are in trouble economically. Please know that. All of the money creation that we have seen now that is leading to the, inf the inflation that we are seeing is all based on what's called modern monetary theory. And it is as faulty as all get out. It's only been tried in one country, it was Japan, and they had mixed results which led to decades of recession. Now, if we think that we can keep pumping out money 
the way we do. And people mistakenly say, well, we just print more. No, we're not even printing it anymore. Some guy brings his sandwich into the little room and prunces into a computer at the, at the Federal Reserve some more money. And then he has his apple and sandwich. There's nothing behind it. It is just numbers on a screen. But economies have cause and effect. The creation of money, the flooding of money into our culture today with the limited supplies because of supply chain problems is leading to a people having a lot of money who want to spend it but can't spend it because there's only a few products. So the people who have those few products, what do they do? They raise the price, right? Simple Economics 101. The other thing I want to bring to your attention in closing is also please continue to read about AI development. Now, I, I think it is very interesting. People today don't realize how AI is shaping our world, but it already is. If you haven't watched The Social Dilemma on, on Netflix, of all places, Netflix, and they're certainly not the bastion of conservative Christianity, are they? But Netflix put out a, a documentary called The Social Dilemma uh, featuring engineers from Google and Facebook and other places who are all warning people of the uh, interaction with social media through AI and what AI is creating a false reality for that per person using the social media account. This is why consensus in America is almost impossible, right? Because everybody's seeing the news a little bit differently, skewed as they want to see it skewed. Now, if that wasn't enough... I have to end on this note, if I, have, if I can. The Federalist wrote that our Pentagon is going one step further. The Pentagon, the Pentagon developed microchips detecting COVID-19 by tracking your blood. This is in the Federalist Papers. And stating that a microchip now can be implanted underneath the skin to detect to see if you have COVID. So you know, hey, I don't have to wait at the lines anymore, Right? I don't have to go to Arlington Park Racetrack and wait for three hours to get my nose swabbed. You know, now I can just put the chip in and so forth. Everybody thinks it's a great idea. But think about it in the grand scheme of everything that we've been talking about. What else can they monitor through this kind of technology? How many of you were quickly downloading the app tra tracing you during the COVID pandemic? Hey, we have an app that you can put on your phone and it just detects anyone who may have COVID around you. Mark, you've got COVID. And it tracked every one of your movements. Yeah, I downloaded that real quick. Really quick, you know. But look at where everything is going. And in it all, and though these are just stepping stones to Revelation 13, we see the trajectory of the way our world is going. And will the mark be a computer chip or AI or something else? We don't know. We don't know. But we can certainly say with, with confidence that we are moving in that direction and we're moving in that direction very quickly. So I leave you with this. As John wrote to us in Revelation chapter 1, verse 3, Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it, for the time is near. At the end of his letter, the book of Revelation, John writes, 
He who testifies to these things says amen. Things say, surely, I am coming quickly. Amen. Even so come, Lord Jesus.